Hi guys, this is Paul Kincheski and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy. Well, dear listener, all good things must come to an end. And on some... Oh, hang on a second. That on Saturday. Don't need that one because it's only gone and bloody continued. Yes, another 5-0 victory at the Cottage. 16 goals in four games. And we're going to be chatting about that five-star showing against West Ham on Sunday, which took Fulham to their century of goals at home from the basically from the start of the 21-22 season. And only Manchester City, Arsenal and Liverpool have done that as well. So we're doing pretty well, ladies and gentlemen. We've got lots to cover. It's another one where we get to be happy for an hour, which can take us away from our dreary lives for a little bit. This week's favourite in focus is favourite home goal under Marco Silva at the Cottage. So we've got some crackers here and we've got an excellent team. We've got... Matt Morg, special guest, Kish Cottage Tactico, his very self. I'm Boney. Welcome to your Fulham Focus podcast. Fulham. Gentlemen, I didn't see that coming. We'll go to Morgs because he's actually smiling, and I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen that before. So I, I am in a smiley mood. It was, it was uh, yeah, I think it's probably just still... On the back end of Sunday, it was so unexpected. I mean, when we play West Ham, we don't expect to get a result. And we think the, the planets are going to align against us and this, that and the other. But it was just such a, it was a special game. You know, the Forest game was great, but sometimes you just think, okay, that's going to be a bit of a one-off. Obviously, uh, West Ham got a great result against Spurs uh, on Thursday and they have 24 hours less rest. Uh, but then even though the game started quite tight on Sunday, as soon as we scored that first goal, it just turned into this magical afternoon. And I was so happy to sort of, you know, to be there for it and just experience what it was like to beat West Ham in that way. Because, albeit the West Ham fans, they, they hung around, did well. Uh, it was just, I don't know, it just took some of the smugness off them, which, you know, they, they were chanting, sort of European champions, you'll never sing that. I mean... How ignorant are they? As in Toto champions, you know, they just can't, they clearly forgot. Short memories. Terribly short. Stasso, how's your feeling? You're smiling as well. This is, I like it when everybody's smiling. I am also in a smiley mood, but I'm also just a bit dazed because these last couple of weeks or so, I just, I don't understand how, what's happened or how, how this has happened. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I thought the script had been set, you know, it would be, a below average season for us where we come 14th or 15th, we have to make do with a misfiring past it striker in Jimenez. The team aren't really clicking, but we'll kind of, we'll, we'll trench through and we'll get through it. And suddenly that's, that's just been flipped around. Suddenly, you know, a season where we would blame, where we were blaming poor recruitment in the summer is now looking like, well, actually recruitment was good. We, we got a bargain for 5.5 million in Raul Jimenez, who's now a goal-scoring machine. We have players who are suddenly showing up and putting performances in, whereas previously in the season it wasn't really happening. And yeah, I'm just I, 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 I can't I can't understand it. I can't I can't compute how this has happened or how we're now in this really strong position. We've just won back-to-back five-nil wins. It's <laughs> I, I don't get it, but it's great. 
Kish, welcome to Fulham Focus. And we don't normally get to come on for our very first episode when good things are happening. So welcome to the party, pal. What was your take on Sunday? Yeah, I, I don't want to be accused of being a fair weather fan, but I seem to have chosen to come on at the perfect moment. I mean, I think with like all Fulham fans, when something goes well, you sort of think it might be a one-off. Um, and one 5 nil might be a fluke. As soon as that first goal went in at the weekend, though, you suddenly thought, we're actually very good at football. I mean, the, the narrative for the season so far had been Fulham are very good at everything other than the bits in both penalty areas. They defended poorly and they weren't very good at finishing chances. And suddenly both of those things have changed. And we were always fine at the rest of it. So, you know, things are on the up. And fingers crossed, we're going to have some more positive pods to do. As it's your first show, the traditional question is, how did you become afflicted with Fulham? Uh, well, I think I probably... I fell in love with Fulham probably during the Great Escape. Um, I was um, I was a general football fan. Uh, my dad's a Man United fan, um, and there was there was sort of something about living in Kent and supporting Man United that didn't quite do it. Um, everyone, and, everyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, no offense, no 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 knock on them, um, but, but you know, there's, there, as soon as you go to the cottage for the first time and you see the team, and there was something very charming about Roy Hodgson in that era for them as well. Um, yeah, I was I was sort of hooked, um, and then since moving to London, it's become it's become a lot easier to follow them properly and become a season ticket holder and sit in H five and enjoy our score lots and lots of goals, which was the case in the Championship. And I didn't think it was going to be the case in the Premier League this season, but maybe it will be. It's looking good. You, you've been doing some fantastic breakdowns of our tactics. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But let's let's gloat a little bit because, hey, it's our show. We can do whatever the hell we want. Coming into this game, West Ham had good away record, got one over on Spurs, which they were very happy about. And it was looking, I don't know, for, for me, as I was going in with to the cottage with the wife, it was, yeah, we're probably going to lose this one because West Ham are really good away. We've scored lots of goals, which means as we're actually at this game, nothing's going to happen. Just after about 10 minutes, I was completely wrong. Morgs, what did you think of that for a spell? Because I thought they were looking pretty good initially until I guess, you know, they got ill or something, whatever they're blaming this one. yeah they clearly were suffering from some sort of stomach ailment which uh, you know condolences to them uh but after that you're right i mean they looked decent for the first 10 minutes they were pressing us uh we didn't look you know as sharp as we had been in uh times of the forest game but maybe it just took us a little bit of time to warm up uh and then to cool down they're you know obviously they're waiting for the emodium to kick in but you kind of you got to it was the fact that the football we played was so fluid and it was like the forest game it was it was a bit of uh, the old no fear football and some of the stuff that was happening it was like fair enough this is this is like the championship again we're just taking the piss of it but as you said before well as matt said you know what where's this come from that must have been a hell of an international break and to sort of develop our football in such a way that we just look so comfortable on the ball we look confident we look like we're enjoying it uh, obviously, it's great for uh, Jimenez to have scored a few goals as well. But just the all-round play, uh, some of the passes. I mean, uh, Zhao's cross for Jimenez's header. I was like, he doesn't cross the ball. He's not a winger. You know, what's he doing? He tackles. He breaks people. It's fine. We like that. But it was just everything about that game. 
you know, uh, Harry scoring that goal where, you know, he's tried it a million times already. And, you know, since the preseason friendly when he did it, it hasn't come off. But this, I just enjoyed watching it. It was just one of those fun games. I think it was like the Wolves game uh, when we won 3-2. It's like, I didn't have that same sense of enjoyment. It was almost like off the back of um, the uh, the Villa game, the Tash Bay. Just kind of like, although we scored a few goals, it didn't have the same buzz. This one was just, it was just brilliant. I can't, there's no other word for it. Well, this one didn't have 20 minutes waiting around for VAR to make a decision like the Wolves game did. Stato, how, how was how was your feelings on it, especially that opening bit? Because I they started well, and that always worries me when a team starts well against us if we can't get into gear. But we did, and it was it was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, what what I love about football right, is that when you see a big five nil win like this, the minutes before the first goal goes in, it's always it's almost on a knife edge almost. It's, it's, there's like a pendulum in that West Ham, they weren't terrible. They had a few good chances. There's that Ward-Prowse free kick, which Leno did really well to save. And you wonder if they had scored first, what what would have our response been? And it's all about the fact that we scored that first goal. And then from that moment onwards, we both grew in confidence and West Ham kind of just fell apart. It's what happened with Forrest as well. Forrest was a more dramatic example. I've never seen a team fall apart like that. West Ham, I, I don't know. They just, they were so sloppy they were so slow to react to us we were so like we scored that first goal and we just we just went up a gear the passing was you know was crisp and it was it, tearing them to shreds and it all came down from scoring like scoring first and just building on that and you know we went in three nil up at half time and it's just a bit of a mad thing to look at and you know Considering how this season's panned out so far, where we were struggling to score goals, thing like I said, things like Morg said, things weren't really clicking that well. We were scoring goals, we were getting the odd result, we were getting you know that draw away from Brighton. That was a scrappy, good result, but it wasn't enjoyable. There was no cohesive football, and you know suddenly something's changed. Maybe the personnel, maybe the tactics, but it's just clicked into place, and things are going well now. And before it was a question of right, how can we stay in this division but now it's a question of well how how high can we finish now and that's all just happened from two results yeah, I think it, uh, that might also show the wonderful fickleness of football fans uh, because obviously Jimenez is now the best striker in the Premier League and he is our number one striker and who the fuck is that Serbian bloke that once played for us but it is also you know looking at them they do look very changed so I think we all you know long may it last I mean, Jimenez, as good as he's been, prior to that, the criticism and kind of, not the abuse, but the criticism that he got was kind of warranted because he was distant in games. He wasn't connecting up to the team. He was just an extra man on the pitch. But suddenly he's part of this cohesive attacking unit and he looks undroppable. And yeah, that's fickle, but that's come from a change in the way we play. And that all goes to Marco Silva, I guess, and the credit to him of getting the absolute best out of the current crop of players that we have. I'm just going to say this again. I said it last week as well. I did say Raul was going to come good. <laughs> I'm just crying. That. I said that when we signed him. Mm-hmm. Kish, yeah, sure. my, 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 <laughs> my fellow H5-er, how, how did you see, how did you see that? Because to be fair, I did turn to my wife at halftime and she's like, this 3-0 up, this is great. And I went, yeah, we'll probably lose. But that's just years of yeah. that's years of marriage years for of, you. Years <laughs> of marriage and years of Fulham 
Kish, what 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 was your take? Come come those first three. Yeah, I mean, I I think much like you guys have said, the, the first goal was massive because the the sigh of relief when it went in because it sort of you suddenly thought it wasn't a fluke. We are good. We do score goals again. But most importantly, our centre forward can score goals, and everything about that goal—the delivery, the header, the desire, the sort of sense of inevitability when you saw the ball go in—you thought he's probably going to get there. That wasn't there a couple of weeks ago, and that's why it felt like such a big moment. I mean, Fulham are terrible when they go one nil down. That's that's sort of a fact of the silver era. We're much much better when we get the first goal, more so than many other teams in the league. And it was a huge huge relief. And after that, the passing, the movement, the vibes were very very good. And it just got better, didn't it? Mm. And, you know, we've been talking about Raul, we've been talking about Harry Wilson's goal, but Tosin Adarabayu jumping up with a cracking header on 41 minutes. Granted, from where, where I was, sort of down just by one of the posts, it wasn't quite clear for that wonderful nanosecond when you're at the wrong end of the, the pitch when somebody goes in. But H5 was jumping. And, I, you know, it's with the, the noisy the noisy boys just there behind us as well they were they were giving it large and it was it was party times for us yeah yeah and look he's he's one of those players who is massive he's he's a huge huge guy and for a long time he didn't feel like he was a massive physical presence he was sort of this silky smooth center half he played lots of nice passes and every now and then he jumps up and sort of leaps like bread hangeland and everything looks well in the world again i mean it's a great moment for him because you know, centre-halves don't always get the credit they, they deserve for the good stuff they do that isn't scoring goals and making last-ditch tackles. And him getting the end of that one just cements a really, really strong return to the team. And I think it's been a big, big part of why Fulham looked more balanced, his return. Do you, I mean, the, the fact that Tosin's come in in these two games and looks so comfortable right off the bat. I mean, the guy's been it hasn't played for six months. It's, it's I think it's really, I mean, all credit to him. You know whether it's you know been a, uh, the injury, whether it's been the, the the contract issue, the fact that he was going to leave, whether it's a, obviously a combo of the both, the fact he's come in and a looked very comfortable in himself as a centre back, but also with a brand new partner. I think it's it, it's uh, you kind of hope that he's now leaning towards signing a contract because if we can obviously it's only two games, you never know what can happen after that. But the fact is in these two games, him and Bassey have looked very good together. They've looked like they're communicating well. Obviously, whatever happens in training, maybe they've got a bond there as well. And whilst you know, we all love Tim Ream, there were the glimpses that maybe his time was coming to an end as a starter. Bassey clearly wasn't comfortable on the right side, whereas Tosin obviously is. And if this partnership of a 23 and a 26-year-old, I think Tosin is, give or take, is, uh, you know, we have them for a long term, preferably if Tosin decides he wants to stay, then that's a really promising thing, especially with uh, Robinson looking so good on the left at the moment, proving and are two very good right backs as well. I think the whole combination is just quite, you know, uh, exciting. Matt, what's what's your feeling this thing? Because I've, I've heard a few people worrying about Reem Morris is bringing up, he's, he's getting old, this... He seems to have a couple of niggling injuries as well. As the senior gentleman here, producer Don being the young sprightly American that he is, listening in and keeping an eye on us, <laughs> I can say that the aches and pains last a bit longer when you reach a certain age. What's your feeling about Reem as 
as we start looking at what is a busy period, it's winter time. But then, of course, we've got options now, which is which isn't a bad thing. I think this season is progressing how we would like it to progress in that you start with Reem and we signed Bassey, who is a left-footed centre-back. And I think the expectation was over the course of the season, you would you would eventually see Bassey kind of phased in to replace Reem. And, you know, Reem would kind of be ever professional and, you know, be, in, be part of the squad, still be that leader. But, you know, not not forfeit his place, but, you know, be accepting of the fact that, okay, we've got Bassey coming in now. And, you know, as, as good as Tosin's been, Bassey at left centre-back has been sensational. He has been so good. He had to, he's had to play at right centre-back due to those unfortunate injuries to deal up in Tosin. And he's done, a, he's done a good job, all things considered, considering he's a left-footed player playing at right centre-back. He's been fine. You know, that first Spurs game was a bit of a wobble and, yeah, he was kind of at fault for the goals, but since then he was solid. Now he's playing in his preferred position. He he just looks so assured on the ball. I love that he just bombs forward with the ball sometimes, and like the midfield and defensive of the other team have no idea what to do because suddenly you've got a centre back surging forward. They're just so kind of discombobulated. And that partnership, it's one of the best partnerships I've seen probably since Breeder and, and Hughes. Like it, they complement each other so well. Reem, as good as he is, he'll still play. You know, there'll be rotation coming up, and you know, Silver, you know, likes to have players who want to compete, and that's what Reem will do. I also question when Diop comes back. We're, we're certainly going to have four very strong centre backs competing for places, and I can only see that as a good thing. You know, that competition is so good, and it's just a stark contrast to what we had a few weeks ago, where we literally just had Bassi and Reem, and we had no one else. We were we were talking about bringing um, Defugio in. You know, as good as he could be, he's still a raw seventeen-year-old. We were talking in the in the group chat. J Mac at one point was talking about getting Jerome Boateng in as a free agent because times were that bad. And suddenly, we've got a very assured defence, and we have that strength and depth that we haven't had for a long, long time. Hundred percent. There's also another change which Kish brought up on his Twitter feed a little while ago, which is the wonderful return of Tom Kearney. In a role that's a little bit deeper than there's quite a few would would like to see him in, but what's TC sitting there in that sort of eight position doing to the team to to help us get the ball forward? Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's made it's made the most unbelievable difference. I mean, I was starting to get a bit frustrated seeing Tom Kearney used as sort of Andres Pereira's stand-in and leading the press as as sort of a second striker. I, it sort of seems to to not make the most of his skills at this stage in his career. I mean. The genius of Marco Silva, I think, is in his understanding of relationships. And players are good in the context of who else is around them. We're talking about Tim Ream. I mean, I think part of the reason he was so good is that he had some rapid pace down the left-hand side of him and Anthony Robinson. And he had an absolute warrior screening in front of him at defensive midfield in Joao Polina. And I think without those those two players next to him, Tim Ream's season last year looks very different to what it what it ended up being. Now I think Tom Kearney is, is one of those solutions to, to for other players around him. So Calvin Bassey looks wonderful. He's got a very good right-sided centre-back who's good on the ball on one side of him. And he's got an option just in front of him in Tom Kearney to play simple passes and to dictate from deep. And, you know, most of Fulham's play under Silver in the, in the Premier League has seen us build out wide, seen us try and get the ball from Tim Ream out to Willian and out to Robinson down that left-hand side. 
I think teams work that out. And I think that's why you started to see that that weird phenomenon of us either passing between two centre-halves or shuttling from left to right again and again and again. And what we've added in playing Tom Kearney in that slightly deeper role as part of a two with Jao Polina is that we now have an option to progress the ball through the middle and we're less predictable. And that's just the first thing that Tom Kearney does, right? He helps us get the ball out from the back and into settled play. He's doing a lot more than that, but I think that is the first fundamental that's changed. And I presume that's what they were drilling over the international break because it seemed really, really apparent ever since we've come back that he's been brought into the team with a role and that's to get on the ball early and get on the ball often. And he's been absolutely running the show. And look, I've, I've said before, I think in January, the best investment we could make from the cards is to just buy him a couple of new knees because he is just different quality, isn't he, Tom Kearney? Wow. Well, what I love about Kearney is this is the same this is Tom Kenny this is the player who is a remnant of that Slav era him and Reem I think are the only two left now and you know you think of Kearney you think of that midfield three of Kearney Johansson and K-Mac you know that holy trinity that we had for a couple of seasons that was incredible and then the Parker era happened and Kearney dropped away a bit and we all assumed that the knees were giving away and he wouldn't be that same dynamic player that we had and he would eventually, you know, sell him to the championship. You know, Leicester were linked with him over the summer this year. But, you know, Silver has once again just transformed, you know, Kearney into a crucial Premier League player who at this point in his career, at this point for Fulham, how long he's been here, I wasn't expecting it. I was always just expecting him to be on just another another season where he'd be a bit part player coming off the bench in midfield to show out the games. And everyone was kind of accepting of that, given his age and his... Yeah, the phys- his physical condition, but my God, like like you said, like you said, Kish, like the way that he's playing in a deeper role now and being just as effective as he was in that championship squad with the with that trio of Steph, Joe, and K Mac, but playing in that different role now, but being just as effective in a higher level, it's it's incredible to see. Really. I seem to remember he played this role uh, a few years ago uh, when he was, I think he'd been injured for a little bit and he'd come back, and this was kind of pre the really bad ankle injury around about that and I remember he was playing there it was like oh he looks really good there and then he went off the boil massively maybe it just became a bit too physical for him or whatever it might be but he has come in the last few games and been a very very different player I mean it's the Kearney of old might be slightly different uh you know from um, position or role but he is still the talent is there and that's seeing him sort of Again, controlling the ball in the way that he has been, floating passes around this, the other, just just looking like the sort of the you know the Kenny that we bought in twenty what was it twenty fifteen, and it's you know it won't last forever as none of these things do. But the fact is, we now have an option which is less about uh, you know memories of bygone eras and actually a very plausible option to have in there uh, we've got uh, you know we've got a good strength in the central midfield area now Lukic has barely had a look in recently and I think the fact that uh, Kenny is now challenging Reed for his spot is really sort of saying something uh, as long as Zhao stays past January this season we just rely on Zhao as long as he's not suspended and then those three, uh, brilliant. We it just it, again it takes a lot of pressure off this January transfer window because I think when you look at if we had had three 
midfielders only to fill two spots, then you're looking, do we need to go and get loan in? Do we need to sign, you know, sign somebody? But now the need for players in certain positions is dropping because all these players that we now have, there is no one coming off the bench that we go, this is there is there is no Abubakar Kamara on there when he comes on and we just go, oh for fuck's there we go. Yeah. It's where everyone that comes on has earned their place in that squad. And that's purely for J Max, so Ian gets annoyed by that. <laughs> I, I mean, I I agree with all of that. I just I'm aware this is all very, very, very positive for a Fulham podcast. So can I throw in just one note of slight concern, oh, which God. is that I'm 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 surprised he's been playing 90 minutes when we're five 0 up. I mean, he's been so fundamental to everything that we're doing. And I agree, we've got incredible strength and depth in midfield, but none of them, nobody's as good on the ball under pressure as Tom Kearney. And I just maybe I've been hurt too many times before, but I'm just thinking. When's the next injury coming? Can we protect him a little bit more than we are currently? I don't want him to be the bit part player that he was where he'd come on for 20 minutes at a time, but does he need to be on at 5-0? I mean, I, I'm, I was surprised at that, but look, the way he's been playing and, you know, it's been a captain's return to the team. You know, every now and then he's been flying into challenges and I have genuinely mistaken him for Jao Polina and that's not something I associate <laughs> with Tom Kearney. The you know, hair's when he's very a slightly different. rough patch. Yeah. <laughs> the hair's very different. My eyes are going, clearly, but, you know, I think that there's something when a team is struggling, they look to their leaders and he's an odd kind of leader, Tom Kenny. He's not a shouter and he's not a, he's a leader by example. And I think he's been so fundamental to what we've done. I hope we look after him a little bit and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start the next game, if I'm honest, just because I think there's a little bit of preservation needed there. Do you know what, saying that he's become more of a leader in this last few months than he ever was back in the Slav era when he was first given the captaincy. He was given that captaincy so he didn't leave. Back in the day, he was not he was not a captain in the slightest. When it, when we went, I mean, I remember this from the uh, that game uh, last game of the season. We went up by the playoffs, and we were playing Birmingham, twenty three games unbeaten, and he was starting there. He was captain, uh, as some of these guys know. I just walked to the game, and I was very tired. I was very grumpy, and we went one down, and you saw Kenny's head drop. There was no captain uh, there. He and that was kind of that was his thing, really. It's like if we were winning, he was great. He was really into it. If we were losing, or you know, we went behind, his head dropped, and he wasn't there to boost the uh, the players. Now he seems to have, you know, now he's over thirty. He seems to be that player that is very much there, driving his team, geeing the players up. And being the captain that I kind of hoped he was five years ago, but you know he's club captain. He's grown into the role, uh, father of two. You know he's you know he's kind of getting on a bit. He's uh, he's earned the captaincy now, hasn't he? He's like before, like you said, he he gave it to him because he didn't want to leave. And you know, let's be honest, K Mac was the club captain during that Slav era. He was that leader when he when he kind of drifted away. That became Reem of a sort. Reem was kind of that leader. But Kenny's always been there. He's always been the club captain. And yeah, like I said, it's only this last couple of seasons that, or even this last season, really, that he's kind of earned that captaincy and he is kind of that true captain that... He's a, he is a club captain he now, always isn't could it? have been. Him and Reem yeah, show that. Yeah. You know, captain on the pitch is one thing. Club captain is another. But the fact he's now playing, he's kind of doing both. Whereas, you know, I think so. It's going to be weird when, you know, the day comes that he won't be a Fulham player because, you know, we, like, like I said, we signed him in 2015, which is eight years ago. You know, he's, he's almost going to be here for 10 years, 10 years of Tom Kearney. It just, 
don't really think about how much of a club legend he will truly be until he will leave because he's just kind of always been ever present and the fact he can reimagine himself into the roles that into the role that he is now is just a testament to, of how good of a player he has been on Sky Sports analyzing games. <laughs> he's 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 future future proofing his career I think by doing things like that. So do 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 we think now that we have this setup and we'll go into a bit more of the tactics in a minute but we've got a disruptor in Drow but we've actually got a distributor now in TC. So that's allowing Paulinho to do what Paulinho does and get the ball across to Kearney for him to start generating the things that we got used to seeing in in that promotion season and last year. Yeah, 100%. And I think also the Premier League's a ruthless place, right? I mean, there's idiots like me who sit on Twitter trying to break down what teams are doing, but there's massive scouting departments doing this like times a million. I got an amazing tweet the other day from somebody in all caps saying, stop giving away our secrets to the opposition. Like, they know, trust me, they're doing this themselves officially. Um, the way that Fulham played became predictable because it was all out wide. Um, what what the presence of Kearney is doing as that distributor in the middle is it's drawing attention, it's making space for the things that we like to do out wide possible again because they have to actually think about what's going on in the middle. Um, I'm not sure who else can distribute like Tom Kearney in our mid um, in, in our midfield options, and that's my that's my ongoing concern. But yes, the setup works very very well. I don't know who else people fancy to take on that role if he wasn't there, but it doesn't strike me as obvious. My favourite thing about that comment there is how you say. Yeah. Teams have million have like these um, scouting departments times a million, and that always makes me think of the um, Parker era where when he announced the team lineup, he didn't want to do it in position order because you know people would suss out what they're doing as if a team that we were playing wouldn't have known that already prior to a team sheet going out. That's yeah, but Ariola was he was definitely playing up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honor was playing right midfield at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> I wouldn't have put it past him given given half the chance. But this this is something I've been complaining about for a while is our, our lack of directness. Yet, as as Kish has pointed out and we mentioned on on the pod last week as well, the wide areas are working a lot better. Goodness, even Robinson was putting in useful crosses, which was you know a shocker really because that's not what we expect from you, Jedi. Come on, it's yeah we expect to be disappointed, but yeah don't don't lull us into. <laughs> false sense of security what's what's this bringing back into the team i guess this is open to everyone kiss you 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 did your your thread on this as well what's different about our wide areas now to say three weeks ago when the ball would go wide and just stay wide and then you'd have poor old Raul stood there looking like a lemon I mean, there are a couple of things I've pointed out and i'm interested to see what you guys have seen when you're watching as well the two things that are, are, are really clear since the international break one we're looking for underlaps all the time so that for, for um for anthony robinson we're trying to get him inside rather than outside which is useful because it means he's got fur he's got less distance to cross the ball and he's not a wonderful crosser of the ball it's easier to make that pass from the byline than it is from way out wide and look he's not aiming at alexander mitrovic anymore um and you know i think that we have learned how to play out wide like Marco Silva wants us to, but in a way that isn't reliant on having one of the best aerial strikers in the league on the end of everything. So we're looking to try and feed underlaps rather than overlaps. We're trying to get people inside to the byline. And when they get there, they don't have one target to aim at. They have two, three, maybe even four going near post, far post, centre circle, edge of the area. If you've got four people to aim at, 
even if you're not a wonderful crosser of the ball, you've got a much better chance of hitting somebody because they're hitting those same areas again and again and again. Marco Silva teams have always looked very, very well drilled. But, and the genius of the man is this, he's sort of reinvented what he wants his team to do. And they look like they know what they're doing. They look like they're going to do it again and again and again. And it's no coincidence that a lot of our goals look very, very similar. And a lot of the finishes that we're seeing, whether it's Bobby at the back post against Liverpool, whether it's Iwobi at the back post all over and over and over again, or um, Harry Wilson at the front post, it's, it's repeated patterns. And they're, they're amazing to watch. I always feel like you have an idea of what Marco wants the team to do. And I think they've learned what they need to do with the new personnel to make it work. It's great. Matt, how, how are you feeling with these changes? Is it feeling more familiar to what we kind of got used to in, in that pr- promotion season? Are we seeing a little bit more fluidity and freedom? It's familiar, but different because, you know, with that promotion team, we played with different personnel. And as Keish said, like we, Silver plays to the players' strengths. So what we're doing at the moment, we talked about how we had, you know, Palina, the enforcer, and Kearney, the distributor. In that number 10, it's Andreas Pereira. But then it's not just him, it's also Alex Awobi. And it's the fact that them, both Pereira and Awobi are kind of playing interchangeably. You know, one minute, Awobi's the one out wide and Pereira's in the middle. Then in the next minute, it's the other way around. And even at some point, Jimenez drops back and then it's Pereira playing further forward. And it's the fact that he's managed to get all these players kind of playing in sync with each other and to kind of get them to learn what each player's strength is, how they can play off that, how they can kind of be better together. And maybe that has just come with time. Maybe because, you know, Iwobi's a new signing, Jimenez is a new signing. Getting them to kind of gel and kind of, kind of get to and get to get them to kind of buy into the system and to kind of get them integrated with how the team plays, that has taken time. But the fact that it's clicked now, we are getting those results that are clearly being implemented at the training ground. And long may I continue, to be honest, because we just look so good going forward and it's going to be so hard for teams to defend against the way that we're playing at the moment, the way that we're kind of, there's that unpredictability of how we're playing, of who's going to go where, who's going to do what. Teams don't know how to kind of defend against us. And it's taking the chances when they're offered to us, isn't it, Morgs? We had six on target and scored five. And to be fair, that wasn't exactly, you know, at the keeper like they can be. They were good chances put in places where the keeper didn't really have much of a chance. Poor old Fabianski. Yeah, old Flappianski. He was, uh, I think it was his, you know, he'd done quite well against Spurs. And I think the fact that Ariola's out with a wrist injury, because he's come in and done a very good job as their number one, which, to be fair, I'm quite happy about, because I felt quite sad watching him just sitting on the bench at West Ham. And... The thing they were, it was they were well worked goals, and that's but yet some of them were taken with a bit of um, what's the word, just instinctiveness, and it was a bit like uh, Raul's goals on Wednesday against Forest. He didn't have chance to think about it, which is probably a good thing, really, because I think if he thinks about something, um, then it doesn't quite work out as well. But the fact is, both his goals were instinctive. I mean, in that back heel. Yes, Forrest was very much a, that's talent, isn't it? That's not something that you do at Power League. That's something that you do because you're... Oh, we, 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 we try more. Oh, yeah, no, no, we, we certainly try. but it's <laughs> And then you trip over your own feet. Um, yeah. And But these goals as well, I mean, you know, Wilson's obviously was just a piece of Harry magic. Um, but... Raoul Williams was obviously came to him first time 
uh, Tosin's big guy at a corner. Got a little bit of a deflection, but, you know, we'll forget that. And then, the, I mean, to be fair, fair play to Vinny. He scored. I mean, he could have well missed that, but, you know, got it in from, uh, you know, open goal. It was just, I can't even remember that. Oh, obviously there was Harry's one that he didn't score, despite one of the most glorious passing moves that we've seen for a while. And it was a shame that he couldn't put that in. But I think the fact that he couldn't score after all the hard work was you know, fully made up by the fact that he then banged one in from 25 yards. I didn't think that was going to go in. But anyways, speaking of I was, of right, I was right in line of it. I'm in H7 and that was sort of like it came straight to me. It was looking at, the ball was looking at me as it went straight in. I was like, oh, oh, oh bad boy. <laughs> it was... It was pretty sick. And that brings us, as we, we can go on about how wonderful we were on, on Sunday for a while, but let's bring our favourite in focus, which is home goals under Marco Silva. So I'll give you guys a few seconds to to, to gather your thoughts, as I've given you a half hour now to, to get this together. So from from the interwebs, we've got we've got a few. So thank you for, for playing this. We'll, there'll be another one next time as well. So Carol was saying Mitrovic's 90th minute goal against uh, Brentford in the Premier League back in August 2022, which was lovely. She has to say that it was a glorious summer's day back in the Premier League and the most dramatic of endings and Babu's inch-perfect pass, Mitro's towering header in front of the Hemi end. Scenes. Yes, there we go. Reed retrieves. Mbabu looks for Mitrovic. Oh, he's done it! Alexander Mitrovic sends Craven Cottage Wild in his Derby Day delight. Have Fulham snatched it at the end. Mitrovic in the 7-0 win against Luton was thrown in by Sam. That was the game that Mitro beat uh, Whittingham's scoring record. Here's Wilson. Here's Mitrovic. It's another... Number 43 for this goal-scoring phenomenon. And the champagne corks can pop. Fulham are the champions. But we're going to move on from Mitro um, because my choice had to be Vinny's goal against Chelsea. It, it wasn't It wasn't a great goal, but it, it meant the world. And Des just comes up and just says, Vinny's winner against Chelsea. Happy days. Carlos, for obvious reasons, has to be Vinicius' header at the Putney end, um, which meant a first win for against that lot since 2006, which I had to give my ticket up for for that game. So I wasn't there because I had to work a shift, which it was nice to see them win. Tete. Useful from Pereira. Kepa, could he get there? And there's the goal for Carlos Vinicius. His first for Fulham, which might give them victory in the West London derby. Other ones, to be fair, they're all pretty pretty recent ones. We've got Williams' uh, 17th minute goal in the 2-0 uh, win against Forrest uh, back in February, which was really nice. Pure precision from the Brazilian, says Chris McGregor. Genius as he twisted and turned his way inside the penalty area before curling it into the corner that the keeper just couldn't reach. Back in by Deckard over Reed. Out to Willian. Still alive. Oh, brilliant goal! 
the top corner. And Fulham take the lead. What a strike. Cool as a cucumber as well. Tolson's goal against Bournemouth in the Championship, that was that was a good one. Uh, Barry Woods has to say, late equaliser at the home end to silence Scott Parker and our promotion rivals. Topped off by Tolson mimicking Dominic Solanke's celebration, which, nice one. Um, Niskan Cabano, 6-2 win against Bristol City back in the Championship, January 2022. Oliver just says, the touch, the turn, the finish, delicious. And of course, we can't not mention TC. And that's 2-0 win against Cardiff, October 22. Kearney in the 57th minute, coming in off a halftime against Cardiff after a long layoff and belting one in with his left foot at the hemi end under the floodlights to make it 1-0, says Richard Wood. First time I'd heard a goal celebrated like that. The crowd went mad and then took it to another level when they realized it was TC who scored it. Morgs, what, was, what, what pops to your brain when you think of the last few years? Do you know what? My, I, I I responded to that uh, post as well because, and I, I know you didn't, you didn't it. make the cut, so you'll have to have a no, this. no. It's fine. It's just sort of like yeah, you just have to have him as a co-host instead. Um, I, I I can't get past it. The uh, the Mitro goal against Luton, and the reason that one. I mean, I've never seen a uh, you know a goal in a. I mean, I've seen been seen three seven nil wins in the flesh. Yeah, this time I've seen us beat Luton seven nil. That Reading seven nil away. And my second ever game at uh, Fulham game was Fulham 7 Swansea nil in the FA Cup game back in 1995, uh, which shows how old I am. And But that goal, I've, I mean, obviously I'd had a few beers beforehand, but I mean, the, the emotions going through when he scored that, the fact that we'd scored six goals before and he was just one away from this record and we just absolutely dominated them. And I know... Luton had Matt Ingram in goal, who had just come in on an emergency loan. And poor guy, he was just absolutely, he was out of his depth that day. And But the fact that he was through, and I've never heard a, you know, a goal like that celebrated in such a way, because you could just feel the relief that he not only, you know, he was equal to Whittingham's record, but we're just like, equals not not good enough. We wanted to beat it. This season deserves a record and he'd done it and it was amazing. And we knew then that he was never going to leave, not for all the money in Saudi Arabia. Um, that's a shame though, isn't it? Uh, but it was just, I just, it was a very special moment. And in the few seasons of Marco, in the two and a half seasons, I think, you know, that, that's definitely the one that pulls my heartstrings, which probably made his departure even harder. He's he's gone now. Sodom. He's playing in front of three people and a dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that dog's been killed. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> poor thing. <laughs> Seriously, we we don't get many complaints, but there's going to be a few for that one. Stato, what, what's your shout? Um, I wanted to move away from Mitro as hard as that is, because a lot of the goals were scored by him. And I can think of two. The first one is that Luton game. It's when Sowey scored a goal because mm. Sowey, we again, he was a player that we had all written off. And that was the first example of Marco Silva showing that he can get a player and he can get the absolute best out of him. And he was fantastic all season for us. And the fact that he, he managed to finally score for us on that game against Luton, there was a lot of good emotions there as well. And it was really just great to see him score. 
And the other one I wanted to pick was the Palinia go in the FA Cup against Leeds. The 30-yard thumper that just oh, that just silenced the Leeds fans. And for me, it, it, it kind of cemented the fact that Palinia is not just a good you know, enforcer, defensive player. He's got a bit more about him. You know, he can ping one in from 30 yards. And that was kind of when we were in the height of when things were really good last year in the Premier League for us. And that that was in between, I think, us beating uh, Brighton, I want to say, 2-1 when Solomon scored the goal. And well, I mean, I would have been Nottingham Forest, sorry. And um, when we got that one all draw with Wolves when Solomon did the exact same thing again, more or less. That was just that really kind of good purple patch for us where things were really clicking. And it was epitomised by the fact that Palinia was just able to hit one in and we were able to progress and almost dream about FA Cup final until that United game. Mm, that United game. I'm still angry about that. We don't talk no. about it. Kish, what's your shout? Uh, my actual answer has been taken, uh, which was uh, Willian against Forest last year. Um, the reason I love that goal is because if that goal had been scored by Willian in his Chelsea era, it had been replayed on Sky Sports a million times. Everyone would go on about it forever and ever and ever about sort of the unending class of Willian. And it sort of went under the radar because he did it for fun. Um, but I mean, I, I can't think of many players in the league last year who'd have the composure and the technical ability to pull that off. It was absolutely unbelievable. And it was one of those in the ground where you sort of you gasp when he first beat them then you gasp when he takes it back and beat them again and then you absolutely go nuts when he puts it in the top corner i think on his weak foot as well unbelievable unbelievable goal um and then um and that's the one that stands out for me i i think that the the quality of willian last year and how good he was for us was a huge huge factor in us sort of really really kicking on and no one really saw it coming and that goal was sort of the crowning glory for me um the other thing i was going to mention because that one was taken was was solomon against wolves um because that game was awful and i'd taken my, my brother and sister-in-law to craven cottage for the first time ever they'd barely ever been to a football match they accidentally walked into the away pub beforehand that to liberate them from that got them to the cottage. We were dreadful. The game was dreadful. The weather was dreadful. And then Solomon does that and you sort of think, ah, football's all right. <laughs> right. We're going to... What's your one? What's your one? Mine? Yeah. Yeah. Vinny against Chelsea. Oh, okay. It's I been... thought you were just reading someone else's. No, 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 no. Because well, I, I, I was going to... Uh, before... I, I, the reason I said that, uh, not because I wasn't listening, but... Um, it was because you weren't listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> but one uh, the one that was clearly sort of like I suddenly just completely forgot about because uh, the goal was the goal was good it was a good countering other well, the greatest goals Solomon against Brighton that was just I mean I don't know who was uh, who was at the game but I mean it's, I'm 39 I can't say limbs but you know there were a lot of them um, and it was it was just magnificent because we had been so shit in that game. And I felt, you know, Brighton going against us, against us, against us, against us. And then we just sort of like, we only need one shot on target. Let's, let's, let's score it. And it was just, everything about it was perfect. And it was like, yeah, okay. I love this goal. I love this day. You know, we forget about the previous 87 minutes of that game. And they're just like, and then it became the greatest game ever, even though it only lasted three minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is my uh, second place. That was away, though, wasn't it? This, this is 
Oh, for fuck's sake. You sold it brilliantly. It doesn't uh, count. You know, so. Yeah, okay, fine. Can you, can, can you clip that up for when a wave comes around? I presume you'll do it at some point. It was a lovely nice. description. Yeah, yeah. Just, just I just wondered, I suddenly realised, I was like, why has no one mentioned this goal? It was amazing. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's been a long day. It's been a long week, all right. You know, what is it? It's Friday, isn't it? So, I know, it's Tuesday. Like, shit. Uh, okay. Let's see if we do an away goals one after Newcastle, which we're going to talk about briefly in a second. Let's well, just... if we do an away goals one, I'm going to say Mitro again at home to Luton. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just have a quick look at the other Fulham teams. The women are still flying, scoring goals for fun. Uh, they beat Ebbsfleet three two on Sunday as well. They are top of the table at the moment, but they have played three more games than Dartford, are only two points behind them. The under twenty ones are as well looking reasonable uh they drew with brentford boys come on need a bit more effort for that one but they are currently third at the moment four points off spurs at the top and the under 18s have been having a little bit of eh, it's not been not been good beat three one by spurs on saturday Annoyingly, they got beat by Palace, and I know it's the under-18s, but my family are Palace, and any game of any of our teams that we lose to Palace just pisses me right off. Um, they currently sit third as well. Um, so it's it's all pretty tight, but Spurs are running away with that under-18. Morgs. Do you want to hear a fun fact? Go for it. If it's not fun, we'll basically just drop you off the call. Fine. It's, uh, I, uh, I was on Facebook Marketplace the other day, and uh, things in my local area where I live, uh, Mary Southgate of Fulham captaincy fame was selling a pool table. <laughs> I was like, oh, a pool table. And I was like, Mary Southgate. It was her as a Fulham player. I was like, oh, okay. That's uh, that's incredibly random. Did you buy it? But then I realised, uh, no, I realised I don't have room for a pool table in my flat. So as an anecdote goes, that starts well, tapers yeah. in the middle and just flaps yeah. to, yeah, okay. There we go. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's fine. You've you. This is our first pod together, actually, so you yeah. should have realised that. Uh, you know, I, I, you'll get to know the fact that that's how my stories end up. J Mac did warn me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> so let's let's look ahead to Saturday. I'm going to come to Stato because he he was leaning back in his chair so far. I wasn't sure if he was still with us. How are you feeling going up to the tune? Confident, very confident. Um, not because we got back to back five nil wins. That obviously plays a large part in it, but. We're playing a wounded beast in the Newcastle. They, I watched them play. I watched the Spurs game, and they are they're tired. They, and fa- you know, fair play to them. They've had to play you know two games a week at the moment. Their injuries are coming thick and fast. They've lost Tanali to the gambling thing, and they are they are on life support at the moment. This team are, and that it's something to be concerned about because that type of grit kind of gets teams through it and you know that kind of siege mentality where they're they're really up against the ropes and that you know St James's Park is a very it's, it's very much a fortress for them it'll be a tough game but we got a real opportunity here to kind of inflict more damage on them and to get a really big result for us and you know the confidence I have now compared to two weeks ago it's stark it's huge now and you know we've got, we got a big opportunity here I think Kish, how are you feeling? You were shaking your head at that, so you're already getting into the vibes of basically telling Stato he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) 
no, no. I also think it's a huge, huge opportunity to go and get a win at St James's Park, which is a dangerous way to think, right? Um, that level of confidence is is always a worry. But yeah, they they look very tired. They've got a big week. They've got a big game midweek. Um, obviously, look, Newcastle at home and Newcastle away are totally, totally different beasts this year. Um, and I think they will be bang up for it, even if they're even if they're tired. Um, and we're gonna it's gonna be a physical battle. Um, I'd like to see Kenny Tete get a game. Um, I, I think he's exactly the sort of one-on-one defender who'd who'd do well against Anthony Gordon out on that on that flank. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him see him come into the team, even though it's very very tempting to keep running things back exactly as is and hoping for five nil every single week. Um, but yeah, it's a huge huge opportunity. And usually I'd be saying things like Callum Wilson always scores against Fulham, but you know we've we've got Bassi and Adarabio. It'll be fine. I think with Newcastle, although they've got a lot of injuries, they've still got a very potent attack. They've got Gordon, they've got Wilson, they've got Isaac, they'll have Almiron. Their midfield, they've still got a midfield of Joe Linton and uh, Guimaraes, who are you know, it's a very strong midfield. They're still a very strong team. It's their defence, which is their issue and an opportunity for us, because they won't have Trippier. He's at suspended. They're relying on Shah and... Um, Lascelles. Lascelles at the moment. Um, who are hobbling towards the end of that Tottenham game, and they've got to get through AC Milan first. So God knows who who they play. Livermento has looked very good, um, in fairness. But aside from that, who who you know who's going to play instead of Trippier? Are they going to bring in Paul Dummett to play at left back? Which all respect to Paul Dummett, <laughs> better place for still being at Newcastle. All, all fairness but, to Paul Dummett, his surname is Dummett. <laughs> <laughs> In all fairness to Paul Dummett, it will be Lewis Hall at left back. Sure. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I forgot about Lewis. So did Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, they'll have a weakened defence. Um, there's even rumours of, of Dubravka not being fit against AC Milan, so they're going to have to play Carrius and go. And if that's the case for us, then they're suddenly playing their third choice keeper. Yeah, but it's and... their third choice keeper who's Carrius. Brilliant. It's Carrius, which <laughs> I, yeah, it's... he still can cuss from that Real Madrid game. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe Raul can finally go for one of those bicycle kicks again then. Yeah, so Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Although to be the thing is that Newcastle away is one of those games where yeah, okay, fair enough in recent times it hasn't been quite uh, that good. But we've managed to get results there. You know, despite being the the worst team, but despite having it was kind of um you know, almost like that Brighton game uh, last season. But it's I remember the days where he sort of, you know, uh, when Mark Crossley saved everything with his face and stuff like that. I mean, we've got an all right record up there. I mean, maybe in the last couple of seasons, but then we haven't had a good record against anyone in the Premier League over the last few seasons, apart from last year. Um, so I've actually got to be slightly confident, don't we? I think, you know, they will, the fact that we've got days off now, the fact that Newcastle have got a really massive game, which will either be incredibly draining because they've managed to win it or massively soul-destroying because they've lost it and run out of Europe in the first <clears throat> hurdle. We've got no better opportunity than beating Newcastle this weekend, given our form and given theirs and given the situation leading up to it. So, you know, the team will go out. I don't think there'll be many changes to it, but I think we've got, you know, a brilliant opportunity and yeah, the thing is, if any of the players come in uh, off the bench, as I said before, it's not a bad thing. There are no players at the moment in that squad, maybe Vinny, um, who, if they come in, I think make the team worse. So I think that's 
That's a very. Good I mean, there's a suggestion that Willian's got a knock, so I wonder if it's a way over to the left and Wilson onto the right. But you know, the way Harry Wilson's been playing recently, you can hardly begrudge him getting a start. I mean, he's looked unbelievable. Um, but yeah, you know, like you say, we, we're looking strong all across the board at the moment. So exciting! Should be a good game. Did Did they say why? Uh, did they say what uh, William came off for in terms of knockage? He's, he's a, he's, I mean... Hamstring is what Don's mouthing at the moment. So I think it was a hamstring. Okay. Well, I mean, it was sort of like, it, he got a knock, didn't he? But it was like, you know, again, that was one of the situations. 33-0 up. Uh, he's 35. Yeah, Let's bring him off, just to be sure. So maybe bit it's of, fine. Quick bit of trivia. Do you remember, does anyone remember the last time we won at St. James's Park? It was Slavisa season, wasn't it? I'm still trying to get over that du- double kick penalty. Yeah. Oh, that that was at home, wasn't it? Though, don't get home and away mixed up. No, no, that that was that, that was, was at St James. That was at St James's Park last year. Was it? Was it? Oh, that was okay. That no, was M- Mitro's um... when he kicked it on. He slipped, kicked it onto his other ankle, and it went in. No, I see the Cavalera one, but that wasn't against you. Slavisa season when um, Tim Ream missed the penalty, right? Uh, yes, I think Sessegnon so. scored two. Yeah, I can see. I can only see the goal score. So Sessegnon, Brace, and Kearney. And was that was that the Ream penalty game then? Do you know what that was? That was March two thousand seventeen, and I know that because I was on my baby it was in it was. Tenerife, and I was trying to sort of follow the game whilst at the same time my heavily pregnant uh, then partner. Um, <laughs> gosh, uh, was sort of like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, you know, just. You know, enjoying our baby moon. Uh, definitely not following the football. <laughs> oh, here's some here's some facts on that game. So uh, we had Ream playing for us and Kearney, who are still with us. Newcastle had Paul Dummett playing and uh, Lascelles. And Matt Ritchie, who's still with them, also had Mitrovic on the bench for them, who was an unused substitute that day. Nice. Which is mad. It's because Rafa Benitez was in charge, wasn't they? Benitez hated uh, Mitrovic. Yes, it would have it's been Benitez. Time, yeah. yeah. Um, the other the, bit, Trev, what was our last win before that at St. James's Park? I don't know if anyone and I actually remember, this remember any other baby moons. So. <laughs> you didn't have a baby in 2009, did you? Not enough. It was when we won 1 0 with. <laughs> and again, we have yeah, a complaint and a letter asking for contact. <laughs> oh, if any, I had a pound for every complaint that I had on this show. Any <laughs> fatherless 14 year olds, please yes. get in touch. Con- con- contact at fullandfocus.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> but it was indeed in May 2009. Uh, Diamante Kamar with the goal. I remember that because I think we wore all yellow kit that day. Yeah, because it's it's mm. usually the Newcastle game that we have all matching kit, so it's always the the dodgy random third one that gets a run out. So it should probably, it'll probably be the bright pink one this time along. Should be. Yeah. Oh yeah, should nice. Yeah. All pink. Right. Okay. Well, this I'm going to wrap this up because we've we've been waffling now, and um, let's let's just bring Kish in. It's been his first go. I don't I don't think we've we've scared him off too much. What what do you think of our, our little pockets? We'll give Morgs a minute and give him another go. <laughs> <laughs> not at all no um i mean complaints aside i think it's been very very fun look to be honest it's just nice to be able to talk to somebody else who actually cares about fulham and the fact that we're hitting underlapping cutbacks rather than just saying stuff like marco silver's a genius to my cat and dog so it's been a pleasure which are Do your cat and dog agree yeah I mean, they're very agree. I mean, the dog's very agreeable. The dog will agree with anything. Yeah, yeah. The cat is very contrary, so you know, you're never going to get much out of him. Yeah, no, uh, there was there was slight concern because uh, 
it's been great to sort of like meet you and see the man behind the uh, Twitter account or X account, whatever the hell you're supposed to call it these days. But I'm one of these people who is very, uh, you know, stat skeptic. You know, I'm of that sort of like that age. As I think a lot of our uh, listenership, we're not quite the uh, the young cool group. We're the kind of like, you know, my age and above listenership for a lot of it, I think. And I think a lot of the guys sort of like, you know, why why do we need to know about stats? What's XG got to do with anything? But the fact, you know, Nothing. seeing the person behind the, the uh, you know, behind the account and say, like, oh, okay, you're, you're, you're a normal person. It's, uh, it's nice. You know, and you're, and you're a proper supporter I've... who has actually been to games. A lot, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not a bot. Um, yeah. and you're, and you're, and that, that clearly thing. isn't your mum's basement either. Which is, you know, it's good to see. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's good to chat with you. Sorry, no, it's Bonus, been an absolute your pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. We've got six games in three and a half weeks now, ladies and gentlemen. So let's keep that up. So it's two two cup games, four games in the league through to that wonderful Friday night kickoff against Rotherham. Yeah, it was always going to be us that moved on that one. Stasso, any final thoughts from you before we call it a day? Uh, <laughs> Put me on the spot. There we go. There. Thanks uh, for that. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be honest. I'm just thinking about Morgan and possible 14-year-olds at this point. <laughs> I mean, just, that, please, just, please, just please, please, please do not ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone has come in, realize, possible children, no not anything else. Just sort of, uh, Him fathering uh, yeah. 14 year olds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And which is fine because I would have been 25. <laughs> Pro- producer Don scribbling furiously to yeah, try to figure out what's going to cut out. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I got an alibi. I was in Australia. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if you've not ever listened to someone digging a hole and pulling the dirt in on top of them, there you go. That's just that's just happened. Gentlemen, which I, of course, use in the loosest possible terms, thank you so much for spending your Tuesday afternoon with me. Kish, thank you for joining us. Morgs, Sata, always a pleasure. Producer Don out in the States, thank you for keeping an eye on us. And I'm sorry for that ending. We will be back to talk Newcastle and Everton next week. So please get your answers in for your favourites and focus, which will be coming out on the Twitter feed in the next few days for those games. I've been Boney. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Full and Focus. Come on, you ones. Fulham.